Good afternoon. It's Friday, January 24th, episode six. It's time for the Sports Wagon Podcast. Hey, everybody. How you doing? You hear that? Exactly. I'm in, I'm in the office today. Not in the car today. Um, off on Fridays. So I figure um, you know Thursday was the day I would have liked to have recorded this. But here we are. My Thursdays, for some reason, are becoming a little more difficult to manage. But I mean, that's kind of the target day. I'd like to do it, but we'll see how it goes. But anyway, how you doing? It's Uncle Dove. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um, so a few things to talk about today. Um, I do want to get to the way too early top 25 in college football. Um, but before we do that, uh, one quick word um, college football. Um, Jaron Williams, who started 10 games for Miami this past season, has entered the transfer portal. So again, we remember that De'Eric King made the, made the leap from Houston to Miami. So it looks like he's going to be uh, the front runner to start for Miami this upcoming season. So Jaron Williams is going to um, enter the transfer portal with greener, greener pastures. Now keep in mind that he will have to sit one year. So uh, unless he applies for and gets a waiver from the NCAA, he will have to sit wherever he goes next. Um, as of right now, there's no news as to whether he has applied for that waiver. He probably will because, again, he probably would want to um, play next this upcoming season. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, let's go to women's tennis. So um, I was going to talk about this yesterday, but um, it has happened. Um, uh, Coco Golf and uh, Naomi Osaka played <laughs> tennis. Uh, under the lights in Australia, which means that that match came on at 3 a.m. <laughs> Amazingly, I thought, well, maybe I'll watch it. And I'm thinking it's going to be three o'clock in the morning. And really? And guess who woke up at 3 a.m.? Like, hey, let me check out the match. Me. Um, so I managed to uh, check out um, the first set, which was outstanding. Um, it was 6-3 in favor of Coco Golf. And she went on to win the match 6-4. So I managed to see the first set, about three games of the second set. And then I just went out. I was dead tired. I fell asleep. So when I woke back up, I see uh, Chris Fowler and Chris Everett on my screen talking about some, oh, yeah, this was such a great match. And I'm going, what happened? Who won? <laughs> so after listening, obviously, um, you know, Coco Golf uh, won the match. Um, it was just a very good match. I mean, both of these players, their styles of play are very similar. But as I've said before, golf is incorporating a little bit more finesse into her game. Um, uh, Osaka, she, she's been uh, really focused on her footwork. And um, for her in this match, she had 30 unforced errors. And, and again, as we saw the end of the first set going into the second set, something was happening. Uh, Osaka's backhand was just giving up on her. She just could not hit the ball over the net to save her life. I mean, and she would have um, open space in front of her and she would just charge the net and hit this beautiful shot and it just would just, just go right down to the net. So something was happening where she just, you know, her shots were just not going where they need to go. So with that said, um, now uh, Coco Golf moves on to the, should be the fourth round. And... After that, the quarterfinals are in front of her. Um, there was supposedly um, a potential meeting with her and Serena Williams, but unfortunately, Serena Williams lost her match 6'4, 6'7, 7'5. Um, 
probably read that wrong. Well, that's the score of the winner, but you get the idea. Um, now, remarkably, Serena had 56 unforced errors. And she, in her press conference, felt that she did not play as hard as she needed to. She did not play up to the standards that she um, lays out for herself. And she was very disappointed. And she even went on to call her play unprofessional. Um, I'm going to stand by what I said. I think this is her year. So we've got one major down, three to go. The next is the French Open. I think she is going to get that next major win this year. So she's got three more chances. Um, you know, obviously, the, the, the more the time goes, the, the you know, the, the chances, you know, from statistically, the chances get less and less. But I feel confident, you know, personally that I think she'll break the record. But again, you know, she's doing really well in the, the warm up tournaments and things of that nature. Um, I think she um, won a warm up tournament in Auckland, New Zealand prior to hopping over to uh, to Melbourne for the Australian Open. So we'll we'll kind of keep our eye on that. Um, as far as the weekend's concerned, um, not a heck of a lot going on this weekend. Um, I do know that the SEC Big 12 Challenge is on, so I managed to uh, see a couple games that are of note. Um, College Game Day will be in Lawrence on Saturday for Tennessee and, and Kansas. So, and of course, I think they're going to potentially relive the whole uh, Kansas State-Kansas thing. Um I don't know how many ways you can relive that. I mean, suspensions were handed down. I don't know if they've had any more um, outside of D'Souza. I don't know if there were any more uh, punishments handed down. I'm sure there were. Um, I'll kind of have to do some research on that to find out, you know, who's not going to play for how many games. But um, I'm sure they'll talk about that. But of course, the game uh, is of importance. Um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, Kansas is currently 15 and three to five and one in the Big 12. So they're currently in second place chasing Baylor, who um, I can't remember if they're undefeated in league player. And I know they've lost one game overall, and they are currently the number one team in the nation. Uh, Tennessee's 12 and six, four and two in the SEC. Um, I just think this is going to be a good game from the standpoint of, you know, you've got uh, a Rick Barnes coach team going up against this, this Kansas team. Kansas is, um, uh, was a, I think a third, currently third in the nation, but, yeah, currently third in the nation, third or fourth in the nation. So you're going to have this these two teams going at it. Um, the one thing I will say about Tennessee, I haven't really uh, had a chance to see them play this season, but um, their pregame uh, dunk ritual, was it called uh, One Fly, We All Fly? That has, to my opinion, that has to be the dopest pregame ritual out there, bar none. I mean, I, I've been, I, I looked it up one day because I remember – uh, they did a story about it last season. They talked to the players about how they came up with it and you know what it and the symbolism behind it. And um, I was just looking at videos. And yesterday I was you know um, sitting um, my kid at swim class, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at videos like this is so cool. It's just you know you get one guy. I guess they designate one guy to excuse me to um, do the dunk, and then as he warms up, everyone's like, oh. But the thing is. Um, some people do the videos and they slow it down. So it's cool in full full speed, but it's even doper when it's in slow motion because you just see everyone just, uh, you have to do, because uh, you, you just get the idea of, uh, in slow motion. So, but everyone's going up in the air all, uh, 
and this is and then when it comes down it goes it speeds up and it is so freaking cool but um that's i think it's going to be a very good game i think that's the um the 6 p.m game on espn um the other game of note texas tech so last year's runners up in the national championship go to i'm sorry they'll be home i believe they're gonna be in lubbock to play kentucky uh, Kentucky's 14 and four, five and one in the SEC. Tech is 12 and six and three and three in the Big 12. Um, I don't know. This is uh, Tech, Texas Tech, um, you know, having a pretty good season. Um, you know, a, a team that a, a lot of, I, I saw a poll the other day and they were asking, you know, who, you know, who of these teams do you think has a chance to be a first time national champion? And Texas Tech was in. In the uh, in the list of options, I think I picked. Uh, I definitely said Gonzaga. I definitely said Baylor, and I had think. Oh, and Dayton. So I, I chose three. I said either Gonzaga, Baylor, or Dayton. I'm buying Dayton. I told you they're ranked seventh in the country. They are a fantastic team. If you get a chance to watch Dayton play, you're going to enjoy it. And I think bar none, they are going to be, if they are not already been deemed this, the team to be in the Atlantic, the Atlantic 10. All right. So let's get to this uh, way too early top 25 college football poll. So we, I've been talking about this for a while and I kind of want to just take a little time to kind of go through this. So the way I did this is I wrote out all the teams and I split them in half. So I did the top 10 and then I did everybody else. So one thing I noted was, first of all, when you look at this top 10, I kind of in my I'm looking at my notes here and I made some check marks because I said, you know, the teams I checked off are teams that you can think about their positions could be interchanged. So let me go ahead and start this. So at number one, you have Clemson and number two, you have Ohio State. So uh, both teams have uh, quarterbacks coming back. So, again, these are two teams that depending upon what happens in spring practice, um, you know, injury or if maybe someone comes in that uh, is, you know, maybe they get a transfer or, you know, more likely a, a recruit that comes in, you know, a new guy that comes in and just outperforms and just shines, then that adds another uh, layer to the team's performance. So with the quarterbacks coming back, you know, you could make the argument that, you know, Ohio State won Clemson too. You, you can make the argument either way. But both of them have this advantage in that they have that. Plus, they have other personnel. I mean, we know that Clemson uh, lost uh, some guys, uh, some of their wide receivers to the NFL draft that's coming up. But even with that, Clemson still has guys. I mean, you know, Clemson, Alabama, I mean, they do a lot of the same stuff as far as, okay, we're going to recruit really good guys. We're going to recruit them in mass. We're going to have depth. I'm sure, you know, like any football team, you're not going to have depth at every position, but you're going to have depth at the positions that matter. And then you'll kind of, you know, work through all of the other, uh, all the other issues. Um, I feel like, um, so kind of looking at who's third, Alabama's third. So Alabama's three, LSU is four. So two SEC teams, uh, both will be starting new quarterbacks um, coming up uh, this season. Um, behind LSU is Oregon and then Georgia. So Georgia will have um, 
Jamie Newman, who uh, transferred from Wake Forest. So he's going to be more likely the front runner for the, the starting quarterback position um, behind Georgia is Florida. So, so here's another two teams that you could possibly interchange because here you have Georgia coming in, going to select a new quarterback. You know, there's going to be a quarterback competition, more likely to be Jamie Newman. But, you know, Jamie Newman has to come in, learn the offense, learn all the, the ins and outs and whatever. I mean, he, he can play the position without question, but it's just, you know, he has to, you know, essentially learn how they want to play their offense. But Florida has Kyle Trask coming back. So with that quarterback situation fairly steady, hoping that, again, they go into spring with no issues and he comes out of fall ball with no issues, uh, you know, fall camp rather with no issues, I would say you could potentially flip those two teams. So you could have Oregon, then Florida, then Georgia potentially. Um, After Florida, um, Oklahoma is at number eight. Um, Penn State is nine and Notre Dame is 10. Okay, again, two teams with quarterbacks coming back. So again, frankly, I think I would probably give a little bit of an edge to Penn State. I mean, I think Penn State and Notre Dame are where they need to be, frankly. That's just my opinion. So, I I mean, this top 10 is is pretty good. I think this is an interesting top 10. I think it's uh, well thought out. Obviously, but again, like I said, there's some you, there's some wiggle room there. So what I'm thinking in my head is I have to keep make sure I can find this because I would like to see um, of these teams who's going to look a certain way when spring ball starts. So the the thing is, you know, the the top ten teams are the teams that everyone's going to be looking at come springtime. And again, how do the quarterbacks look? How does the defense look? So they're going to look at the personnel who are back. Um, and again, when you lose personnel on either side of the ball, then you say, okay, how good is the continuity? So if you get a guy who's starting for the first time, maybe it's somebody who's maybe it's a junior, somebody who's a junior, he knows the program, he knows the system. Now it's just a matter of putting him into starting position. Then the question is, how do they respond? Because just because you're there, you know, what is expected of you and you know, the system sometimes starting is a whole, you know, it's a whole nother level. It's like it puts your, your your mind at a whole nother level because now you're the guy. It's on you. So you have to perform. And if you don't perform, then someone behind you want is ready to perform potentially. So you you, you look at those things and then you say to yourself, okay, of these top 10 teams, you know, how will this shake out once the season starts? So then look at this and then take this too early poll. And then once we see the first poll in, in August, I would like to see, you know, how closely aligned are these teams in uh, August as opposed to now, or this, this poll, this way too early poll, how it will look when we start the season again in late August, going into September Um, 11 through 25. So uh, just kind of selected teams from 11 through 25. Um, uh, at uh, 12 is Auburn behind Texas A&M. Uh, Wisconsin's at 14. And if I did this correctly, um, blah, 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 blah. Wisconsin, here's an interesting one. Wisconsin, I just learned this. They're going to play Notre Dame at Lambeau Field this coming season. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, and you can bet that they're going to pack Lambeau Field out for this particular game. Um, Iowa State's at 16. Uh, their quarterback, I like his name, Brock Purdy. I mean, 
his name is Brock. Now, now the last name is kind of okay, but his his first name is Brock, so he sounds like he's you know some I don't know a, a big barrel chested large chin guy who's just you know knocks people over. But Brock Purdy will be back for Iowa State. Maybe I should have an all name team. I might I might consider that. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find um, you know intriguing names at. I don't know every position. It's a lot of positions. Maybe I can find who are the most interesting names in college football and make a, a name team. But definitely Brock Purdy, in my opinion, would be at the top of that all-name team. Um, 19 and 20 positions. At 19 is Baylor, 19 is Minnesota, rather, and 20 is Baylor. Now, here we go. Um, both teams have the quarterbacks coming back. I would put Baylor at 19. Actually, I would probably put Baylor a little bit higher. And the reason I'd say that is that Minnesota, a lot of people are wondering how well will Minnesota bounce back from having such a great season? I mean, P.J. Fleck comes to Minnesota, gives them that row to boat mentality, and they are rowing that boat. They are just playing some great football. And after such a fantastic season, the next thing is, can they do it again? I think they can. Fleck. Um, if you know his story and you know what he's done as a as a head coach, I think, and it took him a while to really get it on track in Minnesota because a lot of people thought that he was, you know, when he left, I believe he was at Western Michigan. When he left, a lot of people thought this this one might be too big for you. And the administration and the fans were patient, and they got a winner in Minnesota. And I think PJ Fleck is a fantastic coach. That road a boat thing, that mentality is just fantastic. But I think. They could be ranked a little bit higher with the returning quarterback. Um, ba- uh, Baylor, um, I'm sorry. Well, Minnesota, I think, um, I think they could be ranked a little higher. Baylor, I think, shouldn't should be a little bit higher too. Um, the reason for that, returning quarterback, plus with the new head coach Dave Aranda, he talked about in his opening press conference about defense. I mean, he's a defensive guy. But he wants to really establish Baylor's defense. They had a great defense last season, but he really wants defense to be their thing. Um, and he made a, made a, made a comment by saying that, you know, defense is becoming more part of the Big 12. And it is, although I frankly, I'm very, I don't want to say anti-Big 10, Big 12 rather, but watching Big 12 football games for the longest time, just sometimes it bores me because when you see Big 12 scores, you're going, okay, so these two teams played, the final score is 56 to 50. Okay, lots of offense in the Big 12, but where's the defense? So you got two teams that went out and scored 106 points combined, but we're talking about where's the defense? Okay, but you are seeing individual certain teams that their defensive uh, 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 identity is – getting better. It's improving. They are playing defense. So Aranda, I think, wants to put more for premium on the defense. The offense is there for Baylor. So, I mean, we'll see. But I think with that with that mentality, I think Baylor should be ranked a little higher. Uh, going down the list a little bit more, quarterback will be back. Sam Howell will be back at North Carolina. They're ranked at 22. Again, I would push them up just a little bit. Um, Iowa's 23. Sam Ellinger is back at Texas. He is, uh, uh, so Texas is ranked 20. And round off the top 25 is Tennessee. So Tennessee Volunteers, which I'm a little shocked 
Like, I don't know much about Tennessee this past season. I know they were kind of up and down a little bit. And um, again, with all the rigmarole they had to try to um, get a new coach, I'm just like, you know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe they're starting to turn the corner into Jeremy Pruitt. We'll see how it goes. But again, it's just going to be interesting to see how this all falls out. Um, you know, and, and that's why we love college football, because uh, we want to know who's going to be good, who's going to be not so good. And uh, then we just watch and just let it all play out. We let it all play out on the field. All right. So that's it for uh, episode six. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, so remember, um, you know, if you like the show, please uh, hit me up on Twitter or subscribe or uh, subscribe and tell a friend. Have us do both. Um, I'm on Twitter. At it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E under slash D-U-B. Hope you enjoy. Enjoy the sports this weekend and I'll holler at you on Monday. Take care.